it's Sarah. Hey, it's Leanna. And welcome back to Girl, Girl. We Should Talk to Someone. And we're back in the new year with another episode. We took a little bit of a break, as I think most people did, trying to collect themselves at the end of 2020. Um, But we're back. We hope everyone's doing okay. Leanna, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. You know, nothing's really changed for me since prior to the new year. Still just hanging in there, trying my best to cope with all these restrictions and the lockdown and trying to kind of keep my sanity and mental health in check. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if everyone else is experiencing the same, but we just got into another state of emergency. So we're back into, it's not much has changed since last month, but essentially they're just more like stay home, stay home, stay lives. I just hear that every two seconds now. So a lot to take in you have to just kind of take a step back sometimes and just do your part yeah I mean not nothing's changed but it's also kind of like upsetting that nothing's changed it Mm -hmm. just we keep getting lockdown after lockdown and it's like okay yeah we'll 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 stay home still like we've been staying home like who isn't (laughs) I know that's the tough thing is that if you're one of the people who are I mean most of us are following the rules and we're listening and we're not seeing our friends. We're not being indoors with anyone. I mean, we've only gone for walks outside. You're the only person I've seen other than my parents. And then everyone else is still, you know, having dinner parties and seeing their friends and mm-hmm. having people just come over for like coffee. And I'm like, what? Like, please just like stop. Yeah. We're not even like, we're recording this on zoom. Like we're not in person together recording this. So yeah, I mean, you just I guess you got to do what you got to do and trust that other people are doing the same thing even though we know that some of them aren't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst is when you see it on social media as well, like you just want to be like you want to like message them sometimes be like, "Can you just not?" But like it's tough. You have to just to each their own at the end of the day. Yeah. It does affect us though, so it's kind of annoying. It's like, yeah, Becky, I appreciate your mental health trip, but like maybe let's not go to Mexico with six friends right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I, I too want to do that, but I'm refraining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we all want to just like let loose and see our friends and have a fun night, but we can't. <laughs> do you feel any sense of renewal with the new year? Um... I mean, I think I see more light at the end of the tunnel than I did last year because, you know, it's now that the vaccine is here, it's going to start getting better in the next few months. I don't think it's going to like be dramatically different right now or in the next month, but there is some light in the tunnel for, for say like summer and fall, maybe. I think it will be better than it was last year. Not completely back to normal, of course. I don't think we'll be back to normal until 2022. That's kind of what they're saying, and that makes sense with what's happening, but it'll be better, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I don't know, there's always a little bit of hope for me, no matter the situation, like, even before COVID in the new year, it's always a little bit of like, oh, fresh start, things Mm -hmm. feel a little bit, like, more fun and new and doable, but yeah, I'm wondering if that's not not such a thing right now, because everything kind of just feels like a continuation of 2020 yeah it is but at least now we're a bit more experienced with it we did it for like almost a year (laughs) so it's almost like we know what to expect yeah 
I don't know. I'm kind of going back into that zone I was in the beginning where I'm like, I need to hunker down and not see people and not do anything. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us in the summer, like when the patios were open and you could be outside, not that we didn't care, but the the vibe of it was a little bit more relaxed, I would say. Like people still met with friends for dinners and stuff, but now none of that is available. And I think a lot of people are realizing like, oh, we were maybe a little bit naive in the summer to think that we could do that and have no repercussions. Yeah, I think like even so like in the summer, the cases were definitely nowhere near as they were now. So it was in a sense more safe to do those things. Mm -hmm. Whereas now like it's generally like, so much worse and people need to just like get their shit together or else we're not going to come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. I was talking to my chiropractor the other day and she said that she thinks in sub- by September, like everyday people will be able to have the first dose of the vaccine if they want it. So that's good. Hopefully that's, that's true. true. Yeah. I mean, it's not too long away. <laughs> it is, but it isn't. I mean, yeah. It's actually like think about March. Oh, I can't even like time doesn't really make sense anymore. So I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's funny. I was we were talking about this when we were together, but in the last two weeks I've been thinking a lot about like putting everything into perspective of what the world is going through versus like how everyone's feeling. And I mean, humanity has overcome so much worse in the past. We faced such a greater, more lethal enemy before. And Really, all our government is asking us to do is stay home, wear a mask, and social distance. What compared what do you to what mean? people have faced? What do you mean, lethal enemy? Like, in ter- like our enemy is not holding a gun and pointing it at countries. Like, you know, what I mean, like we can oh, like- fight this virus just by staying home. Like, it's a better we have a better chance of fighting it as opposed to if you're facing something else. Like, you might not be able to survive. Oh, okay. Like you're comparing so, it to like World War II or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Any kind of war. Like yeah, yeah, any, yeah. even like I was watching a movie last night on the Iraqi war of 2003 and it's terrifying what happened there. Like what people were facing and all we've been asked to do is stay home and wear a mask. I mean, we're in a sense, like we can beat this if people just follow those rules. And we're very lucky that we're in a time period where that's the virus, that virus is what we're facing. That enemy is what we can face. So, yeah, just try to put everything to perspective. The world will get through it. Okay, so we usually do our, like, rose and thorns, our updates. Um, okay, rose? Sure, let's do yet. rose and thorn. No, what's, no, let's talk about what's new first. What's new? We haven't, like, we haven't had a podcast episode since oh, December, sure. early December. Yeah, what's new? Um, <laughs> I'm more settled into my new apartment. It's coming together. It feels a lot more homey. I'm someone who like gets very uncomfortable in settings that are not like my own place because I just get really hyper-focused on just everything being not clean or not to my standards. Like I I do struggle with that. So now I kind of feel like, okay, it's my home. Any mess is my mess. It's no longer the person before me. So I feel a lot more comfortable and it just feels like an actual house to me now. And, um, yeah, that's it. I've been trying. <laughs> I don't know. I've been trying. So your OCD is getting a little bit better. Yeah, my OCD is getting better with the apartment. It's great. Not in other areas of my life, but at least with the apartment, it's better. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else to say. Um, I'm good. Thanks for asking. 
Jesus Christ. I'm like, maybe I'll ask her a question and then she can respond and then ask me back. Nothing. (laughs) So, Sarah, how are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, Not much is new. Um, Same old, same old. I started a new, like, workout app thing over the last couple weeks, which has been really fun. What's the app? It's called the Sculpt Society. And it's like a dance cardio, like, video type thing where you just, like, kind of let loose for half an hour. Um, And it's fun. I highly recommend if you like doing cardio but you don't have any, like, treadmills or ellipticals at home and you don't really like running or you don't really want to go outside because it's cold. It's really fun. It's really easy. Like, you don't need to know how to dance to do it and who really cares what you look like because – I don't even look like I'm not watching myself in a mirror and no one's watching me. So it's just like really kind of like a release at the same time. Um, And it's hard. Like it's like 30 minutes straight of dancing and doesn't seem that hard when you think about it. But in reality, I'm dying every time. But it's really fun. Um, I would highly recommend the Sculpt Society. Um, And they also have other classes too. Like if you more want to do like sculpting classes or like to build muscle or and things like that, it's more like low weight, high reps, which I find is easier to do at home because most people don't have like more than 10 pound weights at their house, right? If you do, I'm jealous, but yeah, that's one of those things. I I wish I had a home gym right now. Yeah, it's tough. It's still hard working out from home though. Like you, you really have to motivate yourself and I feel like it's like a mental challenge for me to get myself to work at at home. Yeah. No, it's true. And it's one of those things where it's when you're not doing it, it feels so hard to do it. But then when you're in the zone of like, okay, I'm going to do this like three to four times a week because I know it makes me feel good and I've done it. It becomes more of a routine. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to do. But that breaking that between that, it's so hard and routine, that middle area, it's tough. Yeah. And even now when I do the most basic workouts, like – I don't work out as often as I used to. Absolutely not. But when I've tried to do workouts, I'm like, wow, this hurts so much because I'm so out of shape. Yeah. I can't even like bend my knees and hold it for 10 seconds. It like kills me. But you'd be surprised because we used to do classes before this together a lot that once you get back into it after like a week or so, your body kind of like, like, yeah, you're sore and it's a little harder, but you get like you spring back into it pretty quickly. Yeah, I just, I just, I'm really looking forward to the gyms opening up. Like, I hope at least in the summer they will allow that because there wasn't too many cases to have to do with it. I really, really, really want to go to the gym, like a gym class. Yeah. I really miss that. I miss the classes too. That's why I do these little, like, online classes because there's no way I'd be pushing myself like that if I just, like, had a mat in my living room and music on. I'd be like, okay, 10 minutes is up. It's time for the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's your rose and thorn then for the week? For the week, my rose is, my rose is this like, like workout app that I'm doing, the Sculpt Society. Like every day I look forward to it and that sounds crazy because I wasn't working out for like three months before this at all. I would just like go for the random walk during the week and count that as my cardio and weights and everything. And so that's been really good. Um, Along with today, has been was so sunny today. It was really nice to go outside and walk with the sun. Mm-hmm. My thorn has been, I think, just like that feeling of like, when is this going to end? Like it creeps up on you sometimes. And like last night I was kind of just like, 
oh, it's Friday. What the fuck is life right now? Like, (laughs) I was like, so like the scary thing is I'm like so accustomed to on Fridays now, like making my bed just to get back into it and watch Netflix on my iPad with like a glass of wine by myself. Like, and that is not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this week has been really like my thorn is that it's been so slow. The days were like so slow. There was barely any sun during the week. Yeah. It just was like it was never ending for me. The days were slow this week. It's because it's we're not very busy at work. So not a lot's happening. But because you have to like stay at your computer all day, even though you're home, you kind of feel guilty not staying at your computer. So it literally just drags on. I don't think I have a rose. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what the rose would be. It was really long this week. Yeah. The Bachelor. That was fun to watch. It was, was a good episode. Was that this week? Like, what? That was Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like literally two weeks ago. Let's do a recap because The Bachelor is a good part of the week. And it, it yeah, comes that's, that's too soon. Like, it's like on Monday now. Wasn't it on Tuesday before? Like It was on – but before Tasha's season, it was always Mondays, I thought. Oh, I don't know. I got used to Tuesdays, so it kind of like sort of split up the week. But now that it's on Monday, it's like it's like the thing I look forward to. And it's like done, like right away. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mind Mondays because Monday's always horrible. So it's kind of like a nice thing to look forward to. Okay, who are your – first of all, thoughts on the season so far because we haven't talked about it at all. Matt James. Yeah, Matt James. I, lo- I mean, he's so beautiful. <laughs> like, God, he's like – He looks like if you like ask gr- someone to make a perfect – like man man. yeah that would be it like personality wise like looks body everything smile down to everything he's great yeah it's good I think the women are less dramatic because they're a lot more they seem a lot more older and more mature in the season so I mean except for that one person who's absolutely horrid but Queen Victoria yeah she's bad she's really entertaining to watch though I heard somewhere that she's was like a planted actor, which would make sense oh, for sure. Because there's like, I hope to God there's no way that there's people in this world that actually truly feel that that's the way to act on on TV, especially. Well, I creeped her Instagram, and she does like say things like "I'm the queen" and has like really. I don't know if it's all planted, but I have to look at the dates actually. But yeah. she's kind of like like that on her social media, but not to the like. Obviously, you don't see her personality on social media, so. In the show, she's actually, like, horrible. She's horrible. And from what I read, apparently before – because in the first episode, she was, like, bad, but, like, not that bad. She was just, like, oh, I'm the queen, haha, and, like, was a little obnoxious. But apparently she had, like, actress or actor in her bio on Instagram before episode two aired. And then when episode two aired, she took that down. And on one page, it says that she's, like, a real estate agent. And then on her LinkedIn, it says that she is, like, a – uh, flight attendant or something like there's a bunch of different like career storylines that don't really make sense so people are speculating that like she's been hired and placed in even when she's like Matt give me a kiss and they're like kissing like it kind of like just makes me like I I don't say this a lot but she's the type of girl I literally want to sock in the face like I want to <laughs> punch her <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how the girls haven't done that yet they're all just kind of like, you're horrible. Like every time they kind of just like ignore her. So like they have a lot of self-control. 
yeah, I, like, I don't know if I could have that much self-control. And yeah. also Matt is just like, I don't know if he's in on it or just like such a nice guy, but like, you can he's, tell he's not into her, but he just like is still like so nice and like kisses her when she asks and stuff. And yeah. I'm just like, oh. He's so nice. And definitely they're making him keep her around. So I feel like he has no choice but to be nice. Like I, like how do you treat someone like that if you're a gentleman? And he is a gentleman. That's true. I don't know. That's the kind of like shit I don't like about The Bachelor. Like I, the show would be better if she wasn't there because then you'd actually see like the real drama that comes out of people that aren't just doing it for fame, right? Yeah. But they're pro- I feel like these girls, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe in this future, there'll be more drama, but they're not super dramatic. Like if there is, obviously there's going to be tension, like. You're all dating the same man. <laughs> yeah. But. So yeah. funny. I have a question. Can you see, how would you like be in this scenario? Like, do you think you could do The Bachelor? Um, I don't know because I'd like to think yes, but knowing me, if I actually was really into the guy, I think I would have a hard time like maintaining confidence in our relationship, seeing like him give other girls roses, like, and not just the roses at the rose ceremony, those like special ones on the dates and stuff. And like Mm -hmm. hearing like other girls talk about their one-on-ones and how they went so well. I mean, I guess if you really have a good connection, like, and sometimes you can push past that, but like, I think about it now, like imagining like if Michael was dating, like, and there's so many, like like 20 other girls. And all the girls were like, how was your date? Mine was amazing. There was fireworks and we made out and went for dinner. I'd be like, wait, we did the same thing. But then we went on ATVs. Like, which one does he like more? Like, <laughs> it fucks yeah. with you. I think I'd be gone night one. <laughs> I, wouldn't even, I would not even make it past, like, the limo. Like, I just wouldn't – I would not survive. I cannot handle – any any scenario about the bachelor like talking to the guy trying to get his attention competing with other girls saying hi to him at a limo like i freak out over a dm on instagram let alone standing up in front of the most eligible eligible bachelor like i would totally it'd be tragic yeah i don't know how your journey would go necessarily (laughs) it wouldn't Um, go far (laughs) but i do think you brought up a good point that like competing for attention thing like you're always like having to go in like can I steal him for a second can I talk to him for a second like yeah that gets old really fast I don't know like imagine having to do the most work just to sit down and have like a five minute conversation with this guy yeah and you kind of have to that first night showcase your personality in those five minutes which is another way I would completely fail at yes just be like awkwardly like hi but I think a lot of them like (laughs) They even say, like, I don't even remember what I said to him when I got out of the limo. Like, I blacked out. And I think if he – if the guy is, like, vibing with you and, like, I don't know, there's always those few people that, like, they don't really do anything, like, funny or, like, that meaningful when they come out of the limo. But he, like – he or she, like, bachelor, bachelor, remembers that person for some reason, Mm -hmm. right? It's true. Yeah. Not very true. Like, it'd just be funny. The girl brought a dildo and like I don't think that's gonna bring her success just because it's like memorable, right? Well, the one girl did the like lingerie thing. Oh right. There was, was a lot bad. of like pretty good entrances this year. It was. It was definitely like really played up by the producers though. They definitely like made these girls do this. 
and I always wonder, like, you know, the girls that like, oh, I, I drove my truck here. Like, what happens to the truck after? Like, where does yes. it go? <laughs> yeah, especially if you're not from the area. Like, what happens to it? It's not their truck. They no. Just, like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited to see the next episode. I hope it's – I hope Victoria's gone. I have a and... feeling she won't be, though. She's in so many previews. Yeah. It's just they're, – they're really – it's a good season so far. I like it. Who's your – like, let's maybe do, like, a top two or top three front runners. Oh, um – I don't know the names of anyone really, but <laughs> the blonde girl on the date with him. The one. The two girls actually had one-on-one dates with him in the last episode. I like them both a lot. I think one of them is like Brie, Brianna, Brie. Yeah, Brie, and then I don't know what the other girl's the, name is. The one but... whose dad has Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Yeah. Yeah. She They're was both good. really interesting. Also, that girl named I think her name's Rachel. They haven't given her a lot of screen time, but whenever they have, she just seems really cute and nice. I like her, and I also like Abigail, the one who's deaf. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love her, too. Yeah. But she's good. She seems really interesting. And then I don't know anyone else's names. <laughs> There's also the Toronto girl. She seems cute. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, she was on. They like, showed her more in the last episode. I, I, th- I think she's really nice. She's got really nice hair. Yeah. And she's, like, really pretty and, like, just looks very friendly as a person. Mm-hmm. She's a really friendly face. So. Yeah. There's a few that I'm just, like, like, Kit is, like, 21 and you can tell she's just. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, her mom <laughs> is Cynthia Rowley. Like, I don't know why she needs to go on The Bachelor to get famous. Like, your mom is a famous fashion designer. I, it just didn't really, like. Yeah. She just seems too young as well to just. I don't know. I don't know how you know what you want at 21. No, let alone. I also did not look like her at 21. <laughs> I was so awkward at 21. Like, that would be the other thing about this. It's like the amount of time you had to put in to like prepare your outfits, how many gowns you need to buy. Like it's kind of like, I guess, do they keep the tags on them? Like what if you buy all these dresses and outfits and then night one, you're not given a rose and you go home. Like can you return yeah, all those things? I'd hope so. I mean, it depends on how long before you had to buy it, but I would definitely keep the tags on because <laughs> I know I would go home night one. I follow this account that's like all the dresses every night. They like post like what designer it is and like how much it is. And it's interesting. Like some of the girls wear like and every single like episode is a new gown, right? Yeah. And some of them are like $800, $900 each. Jeez. And then some of them are from like ASOS and they're like 80 bucks. And I'd be like, that would be me. Yeah, I'd be like the like less than a hundred dollars, like just get something trendy and cute, but like shit quality. Who cares? Yeah, well, some of the other girls are wearing like Sherry Hill like cout- like couture mm. dresses, like, and they're not even sometimes like Sherry Hill's horrible. Yeah, it's like prom dress. Her. Yeah, I never everyone want to wear her for prom. She sucks. <laughs> <sighs> well, that was our twenty six minute intro to the episode. <laughs> Let's cut a lot of that. <laughs> but yeah, welcome back. If you're still listening, you know, you're the real ones. You're happy. We haven't even got into the into the content yet. But this episode's gonna be focused on careers. And this was an idea actually Leanna had. And at first I was like, I have no insights on careers, like nothing interesting that anyone would care to hear about. And then she like convinced me a couple times to say like no like we both do like think about this and this and this experience and I was like okay cool um so here we are um 
we put some polls out again on our Instagram. And this time, I don't know if you felt this way, but when I was looking at some of them, it was almost like reminded me like, wow, you can really do anything. Like, why do we pigeonhole ourselves into a career or a life path when there's literally like a million things you could do and you can do it if you if you really want to. Like, no one is really stopping you. Um, yeah. Especially that last question we asked, which we might get maybe we'll get into a little bit later, but the one about like, if there was no boundaries for your career, what would you choose? And just seeing people's answers was like, wow, that's like such a cool job. And it reminds me like unexpected as well for those people too, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And it just reminds you like, okay, like that's pretty cool that you want to do this. And like, I have a similar thing. Like I also want to do this. Like, why aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack with careers. So why don't we start with our like intro, like what was your first job ever? My first job ever. Like first paying, like paying job. Okay. Not uh, like a babysitter when you're a baby. I mean, I guess you get paid when you're a kid, but like still. <laughs> <laughs> with a company, like with a, like a name. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> first job, go. <laughs> My first job was as an, I'm going to say my first real job, like I was paid to do this, was (laughs) deliver newspapers in my neighborhood. I was a newspaper girl. That's cute. (laughs) Yeah. It was really the most shit job. Like, How do you you get that kind of job? I always wanted to know that as a kid. I don't know. I think my mom. The town, right? Sorry? The town hires you? Like. Uh, Well, not the town. I didn't live in a town, but like. Oh. I don't know, maybe the city of Toronto. No, it wasn't. It was from the Guardian newspaper, like, oh. a pu- like whatever the publisher of the newspaper was in our area. Um, and I think they put a thing in in the local newspaper, being like, "We need a carrier in this area." And my mom's like, "Do you want to do this? You could pay for your flip phone bill if you if you did this job. Like, you have to deliver it like twice a week or something." And it was in like a four blocks around my house. But the amount of work that went into this job, they would just drop these things. They would drop these huge stacks of flyers off at the front of your house. And, you know, when you read a newspaper or a flyer and your hands get, like, dirty from the ink of the newspaper? Mm -hmm. So imagining putting together, like, so say there's, like, 10 flyers per paper. You had to separately, like, take, take all the twine things off each flyer package and then open up each newspaper put the 10 in each roll it up and you had to do that like 300 times for the amount of houses I went to and wow. I was paid monthly enough <laughs> to cover my flip phone bill at the time which was probably $30 a month that's so cheap <laughs> but I think my mom told me the other day when we were talking about this and she said I knew it was time for you to quit when me and dad were rolling the newspaper because <laughs> you're just like I'm not doing this anymore I don't know I think it was just like I don't it was a lot of like it was time consuming but also like I at the time I think I was like 12 and was like oh I can probably do this in half an hour and then it, in like reality it would take you like three hours to put the papers together so my parents caught on and they would like help me um and my grandma I remember she used to like when I was at school, like, put the papers together and then we would walk around and deliver them together. But people were such fucking Karens. Like, I remember you would just, like, throw the paper onto their front porch or something, right? This one lady, 
she came out one time and I was delivering the paper and she was like, excuse me, you need to put this in the bag that's at my side door that's labeled guardian newspaper. And oh at, my the, God. at the time I was like, oh, okay, yes, we'll do. <laughs> but then like linking back, I'm like, okay, it's on your front porch. Take three steps and like, who do you think you are? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird too. How long did you do the job for? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say like less than six months. <laughs> That's pretty good. You lasted a while. Yeah. What was your, what was your first job? Um, so like first like paying job that was like, I was hired from like a legit company, I guess was what a big, but like, what are these jobs where they're like non-paying and non-legit companies? Like I, like I used to like walk dogs. That was my own company. I don't think that counts. Okay. Yeah. But you got paid like, for it. No. I did, but I think I literally walked dogs twice and I was like, hey, end of career. It <laughs> okay. was a lot of work. Dogs were like, I don't know how to handle dogs at that age. That was like, a, I guess my first time making money. I don't know. I used to sell like lemonade. That was like another thing I did. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Like, yeah, this, like, like uh. these aren't real jobs, but I made money off them. Yeah. But um, so the first like real job was like a banquet server at like the like local country club in my small town I lived in <laughs> all my friends were working there so it's kind of like I got the job from a friend and it's just like me and my like three best friends at the time that's fun it, though it was really fun I worked there for I think I want to say like two or three years it was most through high school I think I started in grade 10 I went to when I graduated high school we were all there you know even after because we when we first came back from university we we're all still working there this is like I feel like you could do like a reality show about like banquet server girls small town like party after their shift yeah we didn't really party much but like it was fun like we served weddings and golf courses those were like the main events and we had like random other like parties and celebrations but weddings were super fun to like watch and like see like I would never do a wedding there but like I can see why it was just fun yeah and like easy ish right yeah like it was pretty easy like I I don't know if I was the best at it but it it was fun yeah I liked it. How, when did you start? I feel like it was grade 10, but I don't know for sure. I could have been grade 10 or 11. I started. What's the like the legal age you have to be to work? Six. No. It can't be. No, 14? Maybe 14, yeah. So what grade are you in? I feel like I was grade 10 or 11. I grade 10, you're 16. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so maybe it was grade 10 then. 16, 17, and yeah, 18, you graduate. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I worked there for a long time, so it was fun. Always in the summers, never a job in the winter, so you only worked in the summer, mm-hmm. so it was good. And I made good money from there. Like, I saved it. I just paid for my gas, basically. That's all I spent money on was gas. So it was nice. Would it be, like, a weekday thing or a weekend thing? Yeah, weekdays would be, like, golf tournaments. So it would be, like, Monday. I would work, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday sometimes. I could be mm. really busy. Like, typically, it was, like, three shifts a week or two, but there were weeks where I had, like, four shifts. So, like, I was pretty busy there. Like, it was a Raking really good, like, after-school job. Sorry? Raking in the dough. Yeah, I don't know. It was good. It was fun. Like, I met great people. I still keep in touch with um, some of them, and we all got along really well, and it was just, like, you got free food. You got to eat dinners because they would always have leftovers. So, mm-hmm. my dinners were, like, free I had like chicken salmon pasta sometimes when those weddings you would eat all the leftover desserts and like all that stuff so like that was the best part about it seriously that's yeah, yeah. well they were legal then you could drink there but obviously you wouldn't drink on the job 
<laughs> if only like, I was oh, 19, I could have been hammered every shift. <laughs> I got free coffee and tea, so that was nice. I drank lots of coffee and tea there. And yeah, I don't know. It was really fun. Like it was so like easy. Was that but... your only job through high school? Like the only yeah, one you was... had? Yeah, through high school that was my only job. There wasn't mm-hmm. many jobs like in my of where I was from like you had to go to the next city which was Brampton to get a job which no one from Calden wanted to go to to get a job and I did actually work in a restaurant at Brampton for one or three months and it was absolutely horrid and I quit and was like I'm never getting a job around here again never that was the only job that I always wanted to do but like I never did I always wanted to be like a bartender or a waitress but I just never did that in high yeah. school, I worked at a summer camp, which was so much fun. Like That's a lot of fun. I always want to do that too. Ultimate fun times. And I was like the the first year I worked there, I was like – it was just a day camp in Toronto. So like you would just – like it wasn't like the overnight camps that some people work at. Mm-hmm. But I was the youngest like age you could be to get hired as a staff. And so there was always these parties um, and everyone was like – they seem so old at the time, but I was like 16, right? So everyone was like 19. And that is such a big like age gap at the time, like 16 to 19, right? Mm-hmm. And so they would always like party and like invite everyone and I would be invited to the parties. And I, I literally thought I was a fucking Victoria's Secret supermodel, like <laughs> <laughs> just because I got invited to these like cool kid parties. And oh I, my God. for some reason, the years that I worked there, like I don't know if it was like these kids used to these like counselors used to go to the camp as kids but it was just like every counselor was just loaded like their houses were just like thinking back the the houses I went to for these parties were like bridal path mansions like but how old were the counselors they were like 18 19 but it would be like their parents house but like their parents would be like oh actually like my parents are at our like Muskoka house all summer so like every Friday they'd have like these huge parties at their beautiful mansions and I would just like show up and be like cool like someone that's legal got me alcohol like I am literally (laughs) running the world (laughs) oh my god it actually sounds really fun though yeah there was always like summer romances between like different counselors and like drama (laughs) like it was truly like a lot of fun but also like kind of a shit show (laughs) that's like so different from my summers oh my god I was so lame yeah, and my brother used to work with me there too. So it was like it He's was older, fun. He so, was older yeah. and he would like look out for me and like that kind of stuff, but yeah, good times. That was really fun. Good times. But you got paid like nothing, like literally nothing, which is probably why like a lot of those like really wealthy kids worked there cuz they weren't there for the money. <laughs> you couldn't what be. The, what was the hourly rate like back then when we were in high school like wasn't it like eight seventy five or something? Or I think it was like nine. I don't know, but we weren't even well, paid um, minimum wage as camp counselors because there was oh. like a thing that you could do if you were working in like anything considered let's childcare and like I guess in a way like camp is like kind of like falls under the childcare thing. So they paid us lower than minimum wage. Really? I was paid higher than minimum wage. I remember I was like, I'm so cool. Yeah. Dollar more than minimum wage. I think we made like, yeah, literally something like eight something an hour. And we had to pay for our uniforms too. Like they gave you one t-shirt and then like if they're like, if you want more, I'm like, what do you mean? We work five days a week. I need more than one t-shirt and you had to wear it every day. And if you wanted a hoodie, it was like 50 bucks. Wow. What a rip off. I know. Like anyways, I would still do it again. It was really fun. 
Yeah, I think it's, that's a fun job, though. Like, I would recommend any young people to do that kind of job. I went to a camp as a kid, but I was never like, I was just like one of the campers. I never went to this camp that I worked at as a kid. It oh, just, okay. I just worked there, but. Mine was like overnight, though, so. Yeah, I went to those two as a kid, and I always thought the counselors were really cool. Like, Yeah, I was like, I want to be them, but how old were they? Like 16, I guess, at the time? Yeah, they and some of them were younger because I look back and there was like at least at the camp I went to, there was always like a counselor in training and then a real counselor that was your counselor and they would like be like a team together and the counselor in training was like 15 years old. Yeah, I remember like looking back at photos and I'm like, wow, like they were so young and I thought they were so cool because they were like adults and yep. they like new things, but they were like children too. Isn't that funny? Like, oh, it just and that, and then you look back at yourself at 15 and like some kid like idolizing you like some like 10 year old thinking like you're the coolest celebrity they've ever met I don't know if anyone thinks that about me but I hope so <laughs> I hope so actually I always work with like the little kids though like the camp that I worked at they were like four to six so they were like like little baby toddlers and they were cute hmm. but so did you ever like really like fuck up any of those jobs that you had um The only thing I can remember is, like, bef- like, this was so long ago that, like, we didn't even have phones with, like, data on them. You know what I mean? Like, back when you mm-hmm. were, like, 15, 16. And I remember, like, right before I was supposed to start as a counselor, I guess they were having, like, a, a meeting for, like, all the counselors that worked in my specific area of the camp. And I was so young and, like, it was so long ago that, like, I didn't even have my own email. I, like, would put, like, my parents' email down on forms and stuff and then they would get my emails and I guess, like, they sent an email about some meeting and my mom missed it or something and I didn't even look at my own emails. And so, like, I missed this meeting and then I remember, like, looking at it, like, the next day and being like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to get fired. I missed – like, it was totally fine. But, like, just to think back, like, I was, like, 16 and, like, my – email was like my parents email like I feel like kids have it so different now like every yeah. everyone has an email that's how you like do school now like everything's so virtual right you have yeah. it on your phone like not to say like I wouldn't do it now if I was a kid because I feel like it's easy to miss that kind of stuff all the time or forget about it but it was very much a different world <laughs> yeah it was it was very different like I guess like when I was starting to work, I was already like I had a cell phone at the time. So it was easy for me to communicate like changing shifts or like this person wanted my shift. But I don't think I had an email or I did. I just never used it kind of thing. Yeah, I might have had like a Hotmail like for MSN, yeah. but that's it. And I wouldn't use that for my job because it was like kitty cat 0635. Like <laughs> I was always like Lil Unscar Italia Unscar Chick. <laughs> it, it ain't, that's, that's true. <laughs> it ain't a lie l-i-l like lil 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 lily the italian chick <laughs> like that's so embarrassing giving that email out to people like what is that <laughs> how many so you had that one job in high school i had i oh i guess i had i had another job in high school too i worked in retail in grade 12 at dynamite okay which oh, was right. a I shit that. show. And I actually, that was the job that I did make a pretty big mistake at. What you do? Tell me. So I got hired in August and I was like, oh yeah, like I'm a high school student so I can work like on weekends or like later on weeknight kind of thing. And like, it was very part-time. I think I worked like maybe 10 hours a week or something. Um, 
And they hired me because like that's the way the retail hiring goes. You like hire in September, August. So they stay with you, learn about your store, and then they stay with you for like the holiday time too, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, they're like, okay, we like, when they hired me, they're like, we really need you to like, let us know, like, we only can hire you if you're going to work like Christmas holiday and like, not Christmas day, but like all the holiday hours and as well as boxing day. And boxing day was like the big thing I had to agree to. I was like, oh yeah, whatever. I'll work boxing day. And like, that's, didn't even think about it in, in August. And then like Christmas came around and I was like, oh no, like I, I low-key like hated the job too. Like the managers <laughs> were horrible. Um, and the like sales goals they had for us were just like astronomically impossible. And like, it was just stupid, but, um, and that, that was back when dynamite was like a really, really shit store. Like now it's like yeah. they rebranded and they're actually pretty nice, but that was back when it was like literally like mom pant central. But, um, I remember being like, I don't care. Like I'm not working boxing day. Like I want to be home and like hang out with my family. I don't want to work retail on boxing day. Like it's one day relax, Sarah. And I told them, I'm like, Hey, like I can't work boxing day. And they're like, this was like a week before boxing day. And they were like, what do you mean? Like you can't work. This is like one of the main reasons like we hired you. And they're like, I was like, oh, sorry, I can't. Like, family thing came up. Like, <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, this is going to be your last shift. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this this works really great. Thank you. And so basically I got fired, but, like, <laughs> I did it to myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Some retail stores, though, are, like, hard to work at. Like, I remember I had – I think I worked at American Eagle – not for again for like the, the Christmas season yeah. and I was really bad at it and I really didn't like it because the managers were not that great I remember thinking I was just always uncomfortable and like I didn't like the environment and I just was not at all I was like so quiet and shy back then too so I feel like I didn't really thrive there but then my first like retail job where it actually was like really good experience is working at this like designer clothing store which I think I got the job at I feel like it's my first year out of university I got hired there when I quit the banquet serving I got a job there and I was like hired as just a sales associate but then I became a key holder eventually but because it was like clientele based and I was selling like nice clothing and I was getting commission and I had like one manager on the floor and just me like working the whole floor it was so much better like I loved it I loved every second of it I had so much fun it was just like I learned so much but like working in American Eagle I was like kill me I want to get out of here as fast as possible well, it's also because, so like, bad. people aren't coming into American Eagle being like, I wonder what I'm going to get. I really need the sales associate to help me and style yeah. this. It's like you're buying jeans and a hoodie and you're leaving. Like, you don't really care for help. But, like, at yeah. a nice boutique, like, someone to take the time to go through, like, what you're looking for and, like, really – like, like, match the clothing. Like, I got – it was like, kind of like I was a stylist as well. Yeah. Like, you have to be good at that stuff. And it was just, like, so much fun, I remember. And I loved every second of it. And I had really great managers too. So they were, like, what helped – why, did you leave that job because you were like, I'm going to move to Toronto or did you leave that job for another reason? Um, yeah, I think I worked in that job mostly throughout university in the summer. Cause it was like my summer job after uni. Cause they were like willing to like not let me work during the school year. And like, I come back in the summers only cause they're mm-hmm. so flexible and like they liked me and it just like worked out. So I think I quit when I moved. Yeah. I quit when I moved to Toronto because I remember giving in my notice and saying, and they were like so sad about it. And I was like, well, peace out to the city. Onto bigger and better things, which is another retail shop. And here we are. Leanna is now the manager of three American Eagles. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> what was your job during university? Um, I had a couple. 
I remember that right after first year, I, I had a really hard time finding a summer job. So my mom's company actually was like looking for a student to come in and like, it was kind of a weird job, but actually gave me a pretty good experience. She, it's um like a building manufacturing type company and they needed mm. someone to come in and like organize their labeling database. So like when they're making like products like paint or caulking or whatever, they like type in a code, then a label prints out and they can like put it on the product. Um, so I did that and I literally pretty much worked alone most of the summer other than like with my boss who was like not my mom thank goodness because I think that would have been kind of weird but um and I did learn a lot about like excel even though like I went in being like proficient in excel I knew nothing and that job (laughs) taught me a lot which was good um but then the next summer I got a different job which I kept like similar to you like I kept going back to like after second year third year fourth year and then like I actually worked there for a year full-time after we graduated from university too um and Leanne always likes to tell me that this is like a fancy job that I had or like really cool and to give her credit (laughs) yeah like it sounds really awesome and it was a great experience I did learn so much but for for me it was not interesting whatsoever. Like the people I worked with were great. The experience looks phenomenal on a resume. Um, but it was literally the most boring job ever. Like, Wait, wait. What was the company? You got to tell the people. Okay. I worked at the Toronto Stock Exchange. Woo! <laughs> and like an amazing company. And if you're interested in like getting started in business or in anything related to like financial or – like a great place to start and it's sort of like a a household name I guess like for Mm -hmm. those kind of things um and I was super lucky to like have a connection to get an interview there and I got hired as a I don't even know what my position was called the first summer like a proxy analyst and I had no idea what that meant like I, (laughs) I literally went in and like I had some great training like I work with great people um and they like trained me on what to do um and I would explain it to people and they'd be like, wait, I, don't, I still don't get it. And I was like, yeah, like, don't worry. I don't really get it either. I just like go in and do my job and like things seem to work out. But the next year I was brought back and like it was good because I got to like train the newer students that came in. And I yeah. my position changed to junior analyst. Like it didn't mean anything. Like I had the same job. But um, what I did was basically like for people that don't know, there's there's both public and private companies. If you're a private company, people can't buy stock in your company to invest in you. But if you're a public company and you go public, people can do that. So like, for example, like big companies like Apple, like you can buy stocks in Apple, but there's also smaller companies like, I don't know, like Freshie, for example, like went public when I worked at the Toronto Stock Exchange. Um, and if you're a public company, you have to have regular meetings that your shareholders can come to, to both vote on things so they Mm -hmm. can vote on like who they want to be on the like direction team. So who they want to be like the director of this, the manager of this, it's sort of like a democracy type situation because they have people investing in their company. Those investors have a say in what happens. Right. Um, so Mm -hmm. our company, which was a part of the Toronto Stock Exchange, basically we organized those meetings and tabulated all the voting results. So we were like basically getting in um, voting cards, whether they're electronic or a lot of them were actually mailed in like pieces of paper. And I'm sure that's very different now. Um, 
but we would tabulate the results and like create this like legal document that basically said like this person will now be like the chair of the company and sometimes there was like a lot of uprising if if a lot of the shareholders voted at, like someone out of the company um because of some controversy or something there would be like rioting at the meetings like um it was really interesting and you got to meet like at the time I I didn't realize who these people were but they were like business moguls like really big people um in the business world and so it was interesting like being exposed to that and to be honest most of them were like white rich men who um for the most part were nice but there was definitely some that kind of treated anyone other than their inner circle like servants kind of thing so you they would show up and be like oh where's the coffee and you'd be like oh, hi, how are you? Like, mm-hmm. there was some people like that, but it just kind of taught you a little bit about, like, how to how to go to meetings, how to be professional, and I had to dress, like, business formal most of the time, so that really taught me about, um, about that, taught me a lot about how to, like, BS a little bit, like, that kind of, like, small talk, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There was a lot of good lessons, um, and I think – that that job really prepared me a lot for what I do now but um it wasn't as glamorous as it sounds like I really just showed up (laughs) and worked at a desk all day in like a program on a computer like that was pretty much it for four years um other than a few leadership opportunities and like training the new students which was great but yeah yeah but you made a good point though like it taught you valuable skills to bring onto your next careers that's why I think any job you have like even my jobs were definitely not as interesting as that one, but they still taught me like skills, like with the doing retail, you learn really great, like public facing clientele, client communication skills. You also learn time management, problem solving. Mm-hmm. I was a key holder. So I was also handling the accounts and like the money coming in and making sure I was like processing that properly and doing those reports. So I learned very basic. It was like mostly Excel, but I still like, you're like handling money so you kind of had that mm-hmm. power I guess that <laughs> to responsibility learn. too right yeah responsibility so like you learn despite what your job is like if it's not amazing if you're young right now you're in like your early 20s and you're just working like something that's not crazy good but you're gonna learn always pick jobs that you can take something from it and that's something that I think is important to realize as you move on with your life that any job is going to teach you something and if it's not then leave it but if it is then just keep going with it and even the ones that you might leave like it definitely there's a lesson in there too right like mm-hmm. okay this company doesn't value growth and they're not allowing me to grow that's something that I want to find in yeah. my next position right exactly yeah. that's interesting that was like kind of how I felt in my last job before this one when I was at bridal consultant there was really no growth in that company like you once you're a bridal consultant for people who are working there, that was like the top of the top for you. Like apart from going into maybe a manager role or maybe getting into the bridal industry in terms of being like a professional advisor. I don't know what else there is in the bridal industry, but like a buyer. Yeah. Like a yeah, buyer. That's what I was trying to think of. But like in that company, that was like the highest I could get to was being a bridal consultant. And like, I learned so many valuable things from that job. Like I really broke out of my shell working there. I was pretty shy, I thought before then, and just like awkward. And that taught me just to like, how to speak in public and how to talk to people and how to like sell, which was like so much fun. I love selling. 
I remember going to your old, your first condo in Toronto, right when you got that job and they gave you this binder of like all the different designers and every detail about every dress they had in stock. Yeah. And you were like, hey, look at this. I have to memorize this by Tuesday or something. (laughs) I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. You had to like have, yeah, that's another thing is like knowing your product. That's so important with any job. If you don't know your product, you can't sell it. So I had to really become a professional in the bridal industry in that career, like in that job and that company. I had to know everything from fit to material to what's going to do to your body to how it's going to come in when it's made. Like I didn't know so many things. And even mm-hmm. though like that stuff is not really something I could come in handy with me right now, apart from if I'm getting married, it just like taught you valuable skills that I've now like, like client facing was so big and I've brought that into my current job mm-hmm. and also patience. I learned so much patience in that job that like now with my clients, like I am so chill. Like when things like I don't react, like people can easily react to stuff. And I'm just like, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> like I learned so much patience then, which is good. What was for the people, tell it the craziest bridezilla story that you had working as a bridal consultant. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, there's a lot or of like, like family that came in that was like a crazy family. You always see those like say yes to the dress families that are like yeah. really judgmental or rude or. I can't think of like one as like the top top, but like I've had a, mo- a bunch of like, just like bizarre things happen. And um, like one of them, I remember like the mom was like literally body shaming her daughter like crazy. Oh, actually, no, I do have a good story. This is like between two, not like a good story, but it was just like, I remember this one really well because I had to like do this appointment over time. So I had to like take her for like basically half the day, which usually appointments are like an hour and a half. And because I didn't get my next appointment, we had to give that away to another consultant. And then she sold like a $10,000 dress in that appointment within like five minutes too. the girl just knew what she wanted to buy and sold it. And I was like, Oh my God. I, I remember was so this. Mad. I was so upset. And I was like, Oh, cause you would get commission. Right. So yeah. And the girl didn't do anything. Like the girl who took the appointment wasn't like, it was like, Oh, it was, if it was me, I went off. sold it. the woman Lily knew she found two dresses and she knew which one she wanted. And it was like done deal within 15 minutes. What was the most expensive dress that you sold? Um, I think maybe 15,000. That's yeah, pretty probably substantial. Like, probably 15, 16,000. I don't think I went over that, but we also did some add-ons. So it could have been a bit higher, but. Like the shoes, also, the veil, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was also like when I was quitting too. I remember that last like two weeks of me quitting, I sold like so many expensive dresses, like 6,000 and up. But before that, you only sell like $2,000 dresses, 1,800, 1,500. But then when I was like, give my notice, I was like, selling like crazy dresses and I was like what the hell is happening I feel like that that always happens though because the literally the last day I was at my like previous job before where I am now where I was working at um like a basically it was like a halfway house ish type situation for young girls 13 to 18 who were involved with the law and you always like I always went in each job like hoping I make a positive impact or the day goes well or whatever but you didn't always hear the feedback from the girls that you worked with that like hey what you did helped me Mm -hmm. or what this like environment has done has taught me good lessons like you often didn't hear that and just hoped for the best right yeah But literally the last shift I had and I don't know if it's because the 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 girl there knew like I wasn't coming back because I told her like this is my last shift so she was probably living there for like another week or two and I was like this is the last time you'll see me and she like turned to me and was like 
I don't know exactly what she said, but something along the lines of like, oh, I'm going to miss you. Like you taught me so much about this or that. And like, just like a message. And I was like, okay, so like, that makes me want to not leave now. Yeah. (laughs) But that's always the case. I feel like when you're ready to leave, there's those like few heartstrings that happen, whether it's like selling amazing dresses and making a bunch of money, or it's like your client or the people that you work with are like telling you Mm -hmm. meaningful things about what you've done. And you're like, and maybe it's also just like a nice way to wrap it up too. Like, hey, I I am good at this. I have made an impact. I am yeah. able to sell, right? You're leaving on a high note. I think that's like a good thing about it too. Mm-hmm. That was like me. I was like that last week. I was like, bring me the commission. Like that was such a good week for me. Do, so, you, do you have a, like a crazy story from, from being a bridal consultant? So one thing that comes to my mind is that when I was – so that girl I was helping for like half the day – the reason I was helping her for half a day is because her sister was truly horrible and was like saying that every dress on her looked really bad. And her parents were like so nice and were saying like, we'll spend more money on you. We'll up the budget to get you what you want. But then every time I upped and brought her more expensive dresses, sister was like, why would you get an expensive dress? That means I can't get a nice dress. Like she was so horrible. Jealousy. To girl. Yeah, it was like a straight on jealousy. And I was like watching this like all unfold. And I'm like, what the hell? And then whenever I brought the bride into like the room, she'd be like crying and crying and crying oh to God. me. And I was like, I don't know how to help you. I was like trying to give her confidence and like be like, your sister's just, you know, like you have to remind like, I don't even know what to say because like it's her sister. But I had to, be- her friend came in at one point. I was like, yes, please, I'm going to leave. And I remember like I was crying during that appointment after because it was so exhausting like and draining to me because yeah. it was half the day of dealing with this family drama this bride was crying I couldn't do anything to help her I just wanted to get out of the appointment but I couldn't so I remember I was crying in the back room like I'm just done I don't care about this anymore like I want to get her out of here like her sister's just horrible and then I think we ended up debating this one expensive dress for like a solid 45 minutes to like two hours like if she should get it and her sister kept saying like no, because of the money, her dad was like, buy the dress. Let's get out of here. The but, mom like, the was, sister like, wasn't to... buying it. Like, why did she care yeah. so much? And her parents were not telling the sister anything, which bugged me the most is that they weren't doing anything to stop it except for saying, the dress looks great on you, buy it. But then her sister was, like, putting her down. And then it was, like, a constant battle of, like, her friends trying to up her. And brides just get really invested in the whole process, yeah. saying, like, oh, I have this good feeling, which means that's the dress. Or I smiled, which means that's the dress. And Everything like, is so romanticized, right? It's like, when you yeah, know, you'll cry, like, you'll see it, and you'll just know. And it's like, sometimes like, it's not, not like that. Yeah. Sometimes you're crying because of your family. That's why you have <laughs> tears. Like, that's why she was crying so much. And then I just remember, like, I don't even know how it ended, but she did end up getting the dress because we gave her a really big discount on it just because I was like, we need to just get her to buy this. So and you got get the sale. Here. And it was like, so I think she got it, but like I lost like probably like $1,500 on the dress. So like my commission was not amazing, but it was still an expensive dress, which is good. Like that helped. It wasn't like a $3,000 dress. It was like a $7,000 dress. Yeah. Well, help, but like that was just like so brutally brutal you watch a lot of brutal situations happen and you can't really do anything about it I feel like jobs like that are similar to like hairstylists or other things where like people kind of just sit down and it's like almost turns into like an inverted like therapy session and like for you it'd be like with the family it'd be like family therapy coming out through the bridal appointment right 
yeah like I was sometimes like telling a mother like not in these words to shut up but I had to tell her to shut up like <laughs> shut up. like you were body shaming your daughter like just stop or like sisters being like bitches and like friends being friends could be really bad too like a lot of friends are like I'm like it's not your wedding I wouldn't say it to them this way but I'd be like it's not your day so shut the fuck up like let her have her moment yeah and I this year actually was with one of my closest friends Jess when she went wedding dress shopping and I like I've internalized so many of the stories you've told me from your job as a bridal consultant that I was like, okay, these are the things I need to do. But then once you get in there, everything kind of goes out the window and you're like, like, I always thought like, okay, you know, on the show when like the friend sees their friend in the dress and she's crying and then you're crying and then everyone's crying. Like that really wasn't how it was with Jess because me and Jess also don't have that friendship where we're like crying with each other all the time, but we were very like, okay, take photos of every angle. So I see how it looks. Yeah, videos. Yeah, videos. Walk up and down here. It was very like almost um, like analytical. Like we were just like writing notes about the dresses and then like. Like it's a job. Like you're treating it like it's a job and you're trying to find the right one. And it worked. And then I was like, I actually only cried one time when she came out in a dress that she didn't even like remotely want to get kind of thing um but I think it was just like the most like traditionally maybe like bridally one she put on during the first appointment um and also she had like a bunch of people watching on FaceTime because like obviously you could only have a few people there because of COVID um and so that like that was great but it was also like I think it would have been different if she had like her aunt and a few other friends there too in person because there might have been more like an emotional reaction but you're honestly really lucky that it was just you and the mom because it could be really painful and even with the tears I remember being like oh I'm gonna make this whole family cry and like do this like whole show to make them (laughs) cry and it was almost like a game to me to like see what I get the most emotion out of guys it's very manipulative being a bridal consultant I don't care what anyone says like you are manipulating the group it's like anything in sales right you want to manipulate the person to feel so good about the purchase that they that they want to do it yeah there's times where I would pick all the bad dresses and like slowly get them better then go back to a bad one then put an amazing one on her and she was like blown away and I'm like boom sale that's not what happened with Jess she was like oh I like this like I like these five dresses and then they would go in and just like try them on in whatever order she wanted to try them on in Oh, I had, like, people trying, like, 50 dresses sometimes, so wow. it's a lot of work. But, yeah, it's 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 a lot of emotions, but it is definitely romanticized. Yeah, I, I know that if I ever need to go look for a wedding dress, like, I got my uh, – I got you in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah, that, if that consultant says anything, I'm like, excuse me, no. <laughs> like, I'll know what she's doing because I did it too. Yeah, you got to call her on her bullshit. Like, okay, was- what's the discount? How much can we get off this dress? <laughs> When you look back, like, on all these jobs that we've talked about, um, like, what, like, what's the one that really surprises you the most that you had? Like, when you're a kid that you would have never imagined having that job? Probably the bridal consultant. The bridal one? Yeah. I would never think I'd had the confidence to do that. Oh, okay. I thought more I would be like, I didn't even know that job existed or like I wouldn't have no, wanted to do I that. To, I wanted that job and I used to watch Sass the Dress. I was like, that job would be so cool, but I would be so bad at it. And then I did it. So that was like a really fun aha moment for me. I was like, wow, mm. I can actually like do this. Yeah. I actually kind of remember you being like, wow, like I have this, I remember you having the interview and you being like, I'm not qualified for this and I'm not going to get it. And then you ended up getting the job and like doing really well. So I think that was definitely like a moment where it was like, Hey, if I just like do my best and, and myself Mm -hmm. and like bring my best qualities to work, like I can kind of do whatever I want to do. What about you? What would be the one job that you were surprised to have? 
it would probably be the one at the Toronto Stock Exchange just because I was mm-hmm. always <laughs> under the assumption that you needed to have like a business degree to get those kind of jobs and I didn't have that like at all and but the thing is the most of the other students did so maybe I just got lucky with my connection or whatnot but mm-hmm. um and I I think it was a good um I mean I know it was a good experience but I think for another reason it was such a good experience was um it kind of like de de-romanticized that corporate life for me like I was like <laughs> yeah. oh it's so cool to dress up and do this and yes it is great but there's there's like a monotony and like loneliness of corporate life that people don't talk about. Like mm-hmm. we used to work late nights and like, yeah, we'd get overtime pay and like, but it didn't, it doesn't like, at least for me, it didn't bring me like a sense of purpose or joy whatsoever. And that might be different for people that really like finance or, or things like that. But like, I think in corporate life, a lot of the time it's like you work, you work, you work. And at the end of the day, Um, there is a sense of emptiness there because you're not necessarily impacting people's lives for the better. You're more, um, working for the man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and if you, okay, so this is something that we thought a lot about when we were talking about doing this podcast is, um, what's one thing when you sort of look back at your career path that you wish you knew at the beginning that you know now? Mm. I'll go, go okay I was gonna say I'll go first um mine <laughs> like is thinking. mine is that no one knows what they're doing yeah that's a good one maybe I'll agree with that that's like, a really really good one and I think it comes with the assumption of when you're younger and even when we were in university I was like okay like my professors have it figured out or like my parents have it figured out my boss has it figured out and then you get to those type mm-hmm. positions and you're like no, like no one know like no one knows what's going on. People have skill sets they bring and stuff, but like everyone is really learning every day and there's no one that has it all figured out as much as some people put that on as a front. Yeah. Um, and I think when that was sort of demystified for me, it takes away a lot of that pressure of having to have all that experience to be eligible for positions. Yeah, that's actually another good point. Another thing I learned is that you don't necessarily have to have experience to succeed. And I think what's really tough with our generation and something that I really faced was that I didn't have experience on my resume to get me a job in a company or in a business. Mm-hmm. And my experience is retail, which they would just look past and laugh at, even though I knew even though I they had shouldn't, the skills. Though, because they those shouldn't, are good skills. Yeah, I knew I had like good qualities and skills that I could really succeed in that environment. It was really hard to get hired. And I was very, very lucky that a cousin was able to like pass my name along and I was able to kind of get the in to like talk to people and like present myself. And then I got a job that way in my current company. But for a long time, I was so discouraged that all my friends were having jobs and businesses. They all, you know, had those great experiences and connections. They were learning that business life. And I was like, I'm still fucking working retail at mm-hmm. whatever age I was. I can't remember when I graduated, how old you are. Yeah, like you, no one really, even when you're in there, you're like, wow, people are not as, they don't always, they all make mistakes. They don't always know what's going on. And you can work with someone who has 20 years experience and be able to solve a situation better than they can Mm -hmm. or present a project better better than they can. Like you, but always learn from those people because there's so much to learn from everyone you work with. But yeah, you're all kind of just winging it in a lot of ways. (laughs) Yeah, I I always like to take that mindset too. Like when I was working at the Toronto Stock Exchange and I was there for like this might have been my fourth year, 
Um, and each summer there was like a crop of new undergrad students that they would hire to do all the sort of like grunt work that I started doing there. Um, and I would remember being like, okay, like they have no idea what's going on. Like it was such a niche job that like no matter what school experience you have in business or finance, like you're not prepared for it without training. So I'd always go into that mindset of like, I'm going to train these people and let them know like, hey, I did this and I didn't get it at the beginning. For me, I was confused and it makes sense to be confused because this isn't like a natural job that Mm -hmm. most people have, right? Yeah. And I always liked that mentality from my managers that were like, hey, like, like little things like the first day you start, like the bathroom is here. Like instead of having to like ask that awkward question, you say, hey, the bathrooms are down that hall. And like on Fridays, uh, we would always remind them like, tomorrow's Friday. It's casual Friday, jeans and a shirt. Cause it's so embarrassing. The first Friday you show up and you're like, they would be like in a suit or something and everyone else would be in jeans. And you'd be like, I know they just forgot. Right. And like, that's not something that's necessarily like ingrained in people that haven't worked in that life, that corporate lifestyle. It's funny. Like I always wish that I had someone like me train me in my current job Which, because yes. I'm so nice and like welcoming and I've never got that in any job I had. It was always like I had to prove myself. When it's a new person, I'm always like so nice to them asking their life class history. I want to like get to know them. Yeah. I like invite them. I'm like, I just like, I'm so good at it. And then everyone else is like, not like that to me. And I'm like, shit, if only I had a nice person tell me that everything was okay, I would not be so nervous Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it it comes down to us being like, not so far removed from that very entry level position that we remember the hardships, right? So it's easy for us to be like, oh, we need to like, make sure we train them in this way that lets them know, like, we all went through this. But when you're like 20 years deep, your hardships are so different than like the entry level like issues, right? That, mm-hmm. but a good manager and a good trainer remembers those things that people are nervous about coming in, right? And and trains people in a way that makes them feel comfortable. Yeah. And no, comfortable absolutely. with making mistakes too, right? Because I, I feel like as like a people pleaser, like when I first start a job, I'm like, first of all, I don't want to ask too many questions because then it feels like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but then also you don't want to make mistakes. So it's like a balance of like asking enough questions so you feel comfortable with the job you're doing, but also having a manager that's like, oh, cool, you made a mistake, no problem, it happens all the time. This is what you do to fix it or how we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's going to be the end of our part one of our careers episode. And part two of this episode will be coming out really soon. We'll see you in the next one. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.